and welcome back to Bar Down Breakdown. I'm your host, Mikey Ryan, live from the Hive, joined by my boy, Tommy V, from the land of Disney. Tommy. What's going on, guys? How you doing, man? How- I'm doing good. I'm really doing good. I, um, I'm super excited, man. Uh, you know, we've got, um, you know, the trade deadline came and went. We had some cool moves. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because we, you know, we uh, Islander fans always get very, very gloomy when it comes to trade deadline time because we're used to Garth Snow. We're used to not making any moves. And, you know, as the trade deadline loomed, we're like, oh, no, nothing's going to happen. No one's going to make any moves. And then JGP. Oh just landed in our laps. And I mean, he literally spent, I think the, his second game on the ice, just absolutely, you know, coming to, coming to Dal Cole's aid and just like wrecking things. And I just, that fire, I love it. Uh, it's exactly what the Islanders need right now. It really is because they're, they're faltering a little bit, but once I think they get gelling, man, I think he's going to be an integral piece of that, of that team for sure. I think the biggest thing is that a free agent, wanted to sign right away yeah. after getting picked up. Yep. Like, that is just a change in culture, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful to see. And then today they announced that the Islanders are going to play all of their playoff games, if knock on wood we get there, mm-hmm. in the Coliseum. That's so awesome. And then so awesome. All, all of next season in the Coliseum. So it's official, and... uh we no longer are splitting time with Barclays. Um, yeah. We now have like the final Barclays game on our schedule. Yep. And mm-hmm. we could just, you know, appreciate that that is the stepping stone that the team needed to take to yep. keep the Islanders in New York and on Long Island. And, yeah. you know, I'll always appreciate that for, for just keeping our team. But yeah. now, you know, we could stop thinking about it think mm-hmm. about how we need to sell out every last game at the Coliseum. Absolutely. Absolutely. And go into Belmont and just embrace our new home and embrace our Absolutely. team and the direction yep. it's going in. So mm-hmm. all good stuff. Um, you know, hearing another player's name chanted by, you know, the Islanders faithful was awesome mm-hmm. to hear. Like that Pajot chant is freaking awesome. <clears throat> Oh yeah, absolutely, man. And, and, you know, like I said, and we we talk about it all the time, you know, we're not, we're not just an Islanders podcast, but I mean, it's something that we're so passionate about. And, uh, you know, the whole Barclays idea was just kind of a failed experiment in my mind. I mean, they, you know, they figured it would work out, they would draw people, but you know, the arena is not built for hockey. The ice was always bad. The area is just not good. And it just never had that, that kind of Cinderella feel that, that the, you know, the Coliseum did. So it's really great to hear that, um, you know, next season is going to be exclusively there, uh, you know, bring some some life back to the island before, you know, we we sink our teeth into Belmont, which I think is going to be, you know, one of the best things for that in that team's history. You know, it's going to have a real, real place to call home. And I think people will recognize that and, you know, we'll get lucky and we'll get some more people in. Yeah. They, you know, I think once free agents like Pajot do what <laughs> he just did. Yep. It, it it spreads throughout the league and they're like, "Wait, why is this, you know, talent willing to yep. do that?" And mm-hmm. you know, I hate to to be biased, but Long Island schools are some of the best schools you could find in the country. Very true. Yep, very true. 
So raising your family on Long Island is not the worst thing, especially where yep. all these players are living. Like they're yeah. not living in Deer Park. They're nope. living in, you know, Manhasset and Great Neck mm-hmm. and, you know, that you know, Seacliff and, and just beautiful, beautiful neighborhoods oh, yeah. in the north shore of Long Island that no joke is called the Gold Coast because of how beautiful it is and how like elaborate and beautiful the mansions are. So, you know. Listen, if it was good enough for Jay Gatsby. Exactly. You know? Seriously, like <laughs> where the players are living is where F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote The Great yeah. Gatsby. So I think people need to get over that whole, like, no one wants to go to Long Island thing. And uh, we're, we're just a new chapter started today. Absolutely. Going back to the Coliseum, done with the Barclays. So <clears throat> good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, all, all good stuff. Um, and, uh, you know. I'm gonna cough. You you talk for just a hot second while yeah, I so cough my brains out. Tom is just a trooper, and <coughs> he's got that bronchitis. And we all know you ain't got time for bronchitis. Ain't get, nobody got time. Ain't, for bronchitis. ain't nobody got time for that. So you need to get yourself no. some like no. thermoflu or whatever the hell it is to get rid of that. But Tom yeah. Tom's just trooping, doing it for the pod, I'm, and I'm we doing appreciate my best. you. Yep, of course, you know. Um, and you know, like I said, the hockey landscape, a lot of changes got made over, over the course of, uh, you know, these past couple of days, you yeah, know, and if you want to hear about it, listen to a hockey podcast, but we are a hockey and music podcast and exactly, exactly. And we're uh, not numbers the, guys. We'll probably say <laughs> that Sidney Crosby is now on the Arizona coyotes. Like don't come to us for the hockey knowledge and all the breakdowns, but yeah, we'll come to us for, for the breakdowns. Like the music breakdowns because we could talk about <laughs> those and as an interesting transition where were you the first time you heard they're only chasing safety because that record's got some breakdowns i know where i was and you're going to hear about it in a couple of minutes i'm trying to and think where i was so like when you I, first heard it i i couldn't tell you man i think I it might have been like i i got into that like post hardcore scene Definitely because of the band Emery. Emery yeah. was that because I used to race home from school every single day and throw on Fuse and watch like oh what was like the TRL version of Fuse? Oh, was Stevens Untitled yes, Rock. Yes, yes, that yeah, was it. Man. And no, uh-huh. no joke. Every single day during that show, there it would go to commercial and it would be the Emery split commercial with Hawthorne Heights. Yeah, dude, the victory commercial, right? Wasn't that? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's so funny. That's so funny. And um, you know the the, the you'll you'll hear my story about Under Oath when we talk to uh, our guest that we have coming up. But um, I think the wildest thing about it, when I really like get down to brass tacks and I think about it, is how instrumental that record was for me. And I'm sure it was for you too, but for me, in terms of bridging the gap between the music that I listened to, because, you know, I started my journey into alternative music with, you know, punk bands with no effects and rancid and Lagwagon, And then, you know, the heavier stuff kind of was lost on me. And then I kind of got into Under Oath and Poison the Well and Hopes Fall at the same time. And those three bands were instrumental in my transition into liking heavier music. So, you know, You'll hear it in my voice, like how giddy I am getting to talk to someone who was really a, 
a part of the band that was a turning point for me in terms of the music that I, I, I love and I put all my energy into. So um, it is un, just unbelievable. And I, we're, we're truly blessed to have the opportunity to get to talk to our guest coming up. Again, Grant from, from Under Oath. Um, you'll kind of hear us chat about music, about hockey, about his love for the Bolts. But more importantly, um, he kind of answers the questions about, you know, what drove Under Oath to start making music again after their hiatus and how they feel about you know the shows and tours they have coming up. So um, really, you know, I hope you guys enjoy listening to this as much as me and Mikey enjoyed getting to do this interview, uh, because it really is to us just such a special thing. So anything else to add, Mikey, before we jump right in? No. And I just want to say I appreciate all of you you know, giving us a chance and listening to our podcast and uh, we're going to keep putting them out for you. So, you know, subscribe, like, do all those things that podcasts are supposed to tell you to do um, that we never tell you to do (laughs) because we're just a bunch of goons. But yeah, we really are. We really are. But, you know, we're going to keep doing this because deep down inside of both of us, we just love music and hockey. And uh, if you guys keep coming back, we'll keep doing it for you. So. Just wanted Absolutely, to thank you. Man. So, yeah, let's go into it. Here's our interview with Grant Brandel of Can you taste the fear in her sweat? You've done this wrong. It's too far gone. These sheets tell of regret. I admit that I'm just a fool for you. I'm just a fool for you. source of all times we are here super duper excited 
with Grant from Under Oath. Just let that sink in for a second. Grant from Under Oath. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. <laughs> Dude, thank you for being on. We're super pumped to have you. Um, I mean, first, let's just get this out of the way. Both me and Mikey are, are huge, huge fans of your band. Um, we've been huge fans of your band. My, my tiny story is um, uh, 2004, when The Rolling Chasing Safety came out. I guess I was in 11th grade. Um, I bought the CD from, I think, an FYE. And I listened to it on the way to my 11th grade math regions. <laughs> and um, I, I think I probably listened to the record uh, easily in that month. And I think it was like, when did it, I, it, I was listening to it in like the late spring. When did it, like, when did it come out officially? And Jason Safety came out, I think it came out, I want to say... I thought it was summer. I think it came out Warp Tour. Yeah, I mean, like it may have. You had a bootleg copy, basically. What you're saying, you stole it. It's cool. No, no deal. (laughs) No, no. And 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 here's the deal, man. I was the king of that shit. I was the king of that shit, but I bought your record. And the reason I could tell you that I bought your record is because I listened to it in a gold Sony Discman that had, um, uh, like that skip technology where, like, if you like rocked it around. Oh yeah. Um, uh, you wouldn't. It wouldn't skip. And I'll never forget. And this is something I'll never forget. Um, probably the second time I listened to the record, uh, when we hit, you know, "Don't Shake." I hate to see you tremble. Like I threw my arm down as if I was like the coolest dude doing like a guitar flip. And man, that disc man just like hit the ground, and I was like, "Oh no!" And uh, luckily, it survived. But um, but you know, that was my introduction to Under Oath, and of course, here we are. You know, what is that? 16 years later, you guys are a band again. You know, Erase Me's out. You guys are going on this unbelievable tour with, you know, Code Orange, Day to Remember, and Slipknot. I mean, it's awesome to have you guys back making music again. I mean, it was such a cool thing when you guys announced that you were going to be doing this again. Just to bring it full circle for you, when you had that gold uh, anti-skip Disman, yeah, that was the same one I owned. That was actually the Disman in the Under Oath touring van at that same time, because we had a cassette <laughs> with the plug that the cassette wire came out to the Disman. So, how about that? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. And just so you all know, the iPod was out already. Tom just rocked a Disman for another like three years. Yeah, I had to. <laughs> We're in a budget. We're budget guys over yeah, here. Yeah, for real, man. <laughs> yeah. So. uh Thanks, Grant, for hopping on. I, I know that um, it's it's a crazy night as we're recording this. Uh, it's the last day before the NHL trade deadline, and uh, we're already starting to see some action. So, you know, I'm I'm constantly refreshing Twitter over here, seeing if anything's going down. And uh, your your boys, Tampa Bay Lightning, made a I w- I wouldn't say a, a splash, but they 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 got a a nice depth defenseman. A, a ripple? Would you call it a ripple? <laughs> yeah. So how are you feeling about that? you think that that was one of the needs that they needed going into this trade deadline? Or, you know, you, you're happy with the team um, the way they are right now? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely happy with the team. I think that, you know, I said this with Coleman, too, that I think that they're just 
think they're in a, in a state now where it's like a, a do or die as far as like at least getting to the cup finals. I'm not even talking about win- obviously winning is the, the, the priority, but I think that they're, you know, giving up foot in that in the Coleman trade. And even um, with Zach, it's picking him up. I think they just are looking for like depth and to like be able to handle anything that comes away as far as potential injuries or things like that. Like they need players, they need depth. And that's the big thing. And they need guys that can show up, you know, nightly and i think that you know with the past playoffs for them you know it's been such a such a a disappointment because their stars tend to not produce and i think that it's almost because there's so much weight on their stars to produce because the other guys aren't that they need guys that can get in there and do the job i mean they've had little little spurts here and there with like johnson and stuff back in the days but it's kind of being a lightning fan you can kind of notice that like Where's Stamkos? Where's Kucherov? A lot of times in the playoffs, guys like that, you're just like, okay, they're playing, but they're not, you know, they're not producing what they should be like they are in the regular season. So I think that hopefully this will kind of take the weight off of them as far as like with the Coleman thing, and then with the same with like guys like Headman and stuff like that on the defensive end. So I think it's a good move. You know, it's it doesn't. We've got the cap space. It's not going to hurt us. He's a, he was a free pick, you know, a free agent. So yeah, I think they only like I think it was like 1.5 million. I have no idea how that stuff works out with, with like picking up a contract this late in the season, like how much they're really actually going to be paying him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have mean, no idea. I mean, even the, like, even just reading up on it as of like, even right now recently, like it's like, they're still looking at like as him being a bottom, you know, bottom pair. Like it's kind of unclear his exact role. So it's good to have guys in the bank, regardless the guys that have NHL experience. So that's the important thing. Amen. Yeah, it, it's just, it's always a fun time of year, but being an Islander fan, it's just a, another day of disappointment because <laughs> our GMs never do anything at the trade deadline. So yeah, we get all I mean, worked up and then nothing happens. What was the, <laughs> I always joke with one of a couple of my buddies from up there that, about the DiPietro deals and all that, all that. Went down <laughs> uh, like, that's just a scar. Yeah. I won't bring it up, but yeah. Oh, it's so bad. We, we it's just, almost like we had an extremely loyal owner that became friends with the players, which is like mistake number one. And yeah. Rick DiPietro happened to be one of his good friends. So like that's why he gave that ridiculous contract. Friends in business, you know. But brutal. I mean like it's but it's not it's not just like New York sports, like in general, te- like we we tend to do some some wild things. So I mean, that DP contract was was stupidity. But like even looking back to like Bobby Bonilla on the Mets, right? I mean, like I think we're still paying him like a million dollars a year until like twenty thirty, and it's been like twenty five years. Yeah, you know, it's just like I, I don't I don't understand like where where this thought process is, where it's just like yeah, you know. We'll just keep paying a guy until like his dead and and his his kids are dead and then his grandkids are are late. It's just like let's just keep paying them. It's crazy, but yeah. For I mean, being Islanders fans, I mean, obviously, the only move we've made is is picking up you know picking up Green from the Devils, and I mean, you know, we need a lot more work than that. But it's kind of just one of those things where the the whole adage that has been going on with Islanders fans since you know. Lamriello came on board is just like in lieu we trust like got to trust the process trust you know what he's doing and you know it's kind of keeps getting harder and harder to do 
each year when, you know, no big trades are made, you know, no real big pushes are made to kind of get us where we need to go, you know, with the caliber of team that we have. So, you know, I mean, Mikey can probably shed some more light on that rather, but it's just like kind of one of those things where, you know, when we were once elated, it's now like starting to be the deflated balloon effect where it's just like starting to get back to that disappointment stage where you don't want to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could see that. I, could, I think, you know, I was going to say what you were saying earlier about just like, you know, with the deals that they make. I think in New York in general, like coming from someone that's, you know, from Florida, like yeah. born and raised Tampa, like New York fans are avid, <laughs> wild fans. And they they will turn on you because they'll love you. And I think that that almost causes almost like gms and owners and people like that to make those bold rash moves like they mm-hmm. feel the pressure i think more than some other markets and so sometimes it's great most of the time it's not but i think that like that's kind of like you know the the responsibility and that comes with that market and that position could be wrong but i could see you know coming from someone that's from tampa and seeing the hockey uh the market grow in Tampa and stuff. Yeah. Being like the first, even the first like 15 to 20 years, like we played anyone in the Northeast and it was like mm-hmm. a 50 50, if not more, of the other team's fans because everyone yeah. moved down here visits. Mm-hmm. And now it's becoming like a thing where it's, you know, a little better. But back in those days, it's like, man, I would go to games and I'd see like, you know, Rangers or even I remember going to a Flyers game and they beat us six to two and turning around and seeing two Flyers fans fighting each other. And they're beating a six to two, and I'm just like, you guys are insane. <laughs> like, that's the kind of fan base you have in the Northeast, which is great. I love it, but yeah. um, I could see the pressure on the other end, the business side as well. Yeah, Flyer, Flyers fans are, are completely wild. But I mean, kind of just going, going, kind of from that sort of topic a little bit. I mean, obviously, you know, so when was it? Ninety two, ninety three, I guess, was the the inaugural season for for the for the Bolts, and it's just kind of like so. I'm sure, like, you remember, you know, be, being born and raised in Tampa. Like, did you get into hockey once, you know, like, the Lightning, like, got introduced? What, like, were you into it then, or did it take you a little while? Like, what was, like, your first really defining memory of being, like, okay, like, I like hockey, and, like, you know, I'm from Tampa, I want to be a Lightning fan, or, like, did you like hockey before that, and maybe, like, had another team that you liked? Like, how did you kind of get into it being young? Yeah, so this will probably bum you guys out, but uh, I... uh I so my family, everyone but me, I'm the only person in my family that's born in, in uh, Florida, and my family's from Pennsylvania. So they're all Pittsburgh, like, diehard fans. So they're all, like, Penguins and not even hockey fans. My dad, Steelers, all the way, Pirates somewhat, but my dad was a big football guy. He played in Syracuse, and he was, a co- like, a coach for college and stuff. So mm-hmm. I remember being young and not really, like, knowing. I don't think, like, I'm talking, like, six years old maybe and like having a new jersey and i remember having it and then i remember playing you know getting rollerblades and playing street hockey in my driveway but then i kind of lost that and went to like the music realm and like yeah kind of fell away from that and stuff and then you know i think my early 20s was when you know i think early 20s was when they were still in the cup run and that's when it kind of picked back up for me, like when they won the cup and stuff. And then I started playing again. And then I switched over to, I started playing ice in my late twenties, mid to late twenties. And then I kind of just like, it consumed me basically. 
so from that point on so it was kind of like this weird like younger part of me had it in me but i don't remember it or really being sunk into it i remember we had um a like a professional roller hockey team the Tampa Bay tritons okay and I, there was a roller hockey league i don't even remember what it was called and we had season tickets me and my dad we go to the games and like every game was just a bench clearing brawl <laughs> and so you know i i had like this knowledge of it but it wasn't like it wasn't like that we didn't you know when i was a kid we didn't have a team yet so it wasn't anything to really go follow or see until like i said when i get i started touring and stuff and came back home and i had a little bit of money and then we had a team and it was like oh this is something that's you know happening in the city people are excited about let me check yeah. it out and then and just, that- you know it just snowballed yeah, that's an interesting perspective to have because, like, you know, like me and Mikey, like growing up on Long Island, like, and the ages we are, you know, being in our kind of early to mid thirties, it's just like we've never had the perspective of like not having a hometown team and then having a hometown team. So I think that's such a like a really interesting perspective. And I know that we've had you know some other guys on the podcast who are Preds fans, and um, you know, who are uh, I think we've had like a Blue Jackets fan on, and it's like. That was like relatively new. It's just like, you know, like now all of a sudden, like even if you are a huge hockey fan and, you know, you're from Nashville and you're, you know, diehard, you know, love Nashville. (laughs) And all of a sudden, (coughs) excuse me, like you were a blues fan or something weird. And then the Preds come to town and you're like, yes, I have like something for me. I think that's such a cool thing. For sure. it's Yeah, it's not a bad thing by any means. It's just it's a (coughs) journey, basically, you know. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing I remember about that like expansion team because I was also young in 92, 93, but I remember when they like tried out having like a girl be a, a goalie. Yeah. yeah. That what that was, was her name. Oh, God, I can't remember her name. I remember that though, yeah. That was always the thing that stood out to me. <laughs> well, like, you hear stories they used to play, you know, before they had an arena, <coughs> they play at the like uh it was what was it called? I don't want to say it was like at the state fair. Basically, they would like have to sharpen their skates. They come in shorts. You know, it's Florida. They come in shorts. They have to sharpen their skates, walk out to the ice, and then put their skates on and come out and play because there was nothing built yet for them. In the beginning, like the or the first like season or so. So it's come a long way. I will say that like traveling, going to other, you know, I've been to uh, you know a handful of other arenas. I've been to other, you know, played a couple and seen it and seen the communities in other places. Um, Tampa has definitely grown tremendously as far as the hockey community. They've done a really good job. Phil Esposito, like, you know, is the head of everything down here. So he's like, he's just done wonders. Oh, dude, yeah. we, we just came back from Tampa and that's a hockey town. Like it, we were just talking about that. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah. Like we had such a blast. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Harpoon Harry's, uh, is it Tampa? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's like a baseball throw away from the arena, and we just like took over. It had a sweet like patio area. It was just, it's it's nice watching hockey in shorts, man. I don't know. It's just it does something <laughs> to your soul. No, yeah, it's it's great. Um, yeah, they've it's just done, and they've even done a lot with the community as far as like like talking about earlier. Like I played roller hockey, and we used to go to this like very uh call it in the hood this old roller like caged roller rink and like the kind of thing where like we would play and kids would run by and throw rocks over the cage at us and stuff 
and <laughs> the lightning actually just redid the whole thing like it's put there's a youth center there now they put the whole like uh redid the entire like uh boards the cage the you know the ground everything and so they do a lot um with the community which i think is really awesome it, it instills like that hockey like love at an early age for a lot of kids now they're being you know growing up here and stuff absolutely you love to see it you know now now i just want to see like southern hockey continue to grow because there's a huge gap still between like carolina and then the florida teams like i feel like there's still room to expand and i know that we got like vegas and whatnot but god i would love atlanta thrashers to come back (sighs) too soon too soon (laughs) Atlanta's a tough city, man, for uh, for hockey, but yeah, you never. I mean, I think in time for sure, or at least some like AHL teams. So like, this is this always like drives me crazy. You know, <coughs> your farm team is in freaking Syracuse, New York. Yeah, like, what happens with with like if you have like a weekend stretch of games down in 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 Florida and you need like to call someone up on an emergency basis? Like, the Syracuse airport is maybe one terminal at most like there that guy's not getting out of getting out of Syracuse in time for sure I think our, I think we moved before that too I think we were like Norfolk I'm pretty sure the admirals um like we took over the crunch we were not the crunch originally um even that case is you know obviously a small place but yeah I you know that's the that's just the thing like you it's going to take time with those with those teams you're going to have to like if you it's hard enough to get a pro team like if you look at the panthers like their arena like it's still pretty deflated like a lot of games you know you're you're half filling up the arena so to get another team that's not an nhl team that doesn't have the uh the tv and the backing and the money and stuff like it's a hard sell right now so i think in time it can happen but yeah it's just you know it's just building the community as a whole and the sport and and the and the uh in the u.s yeah but you you do have two what like the jacksonville icemen or whatever and then the orlando solar bears so like there are teams i it, you would just like hope that maybe they become ahl teams so that they for the convenience factor because yeah i, I just don't know how- like ECHL, like yeah i mean maybe for convenience factor but as far as like getting like the the i mean because you think about it with that kind of stuff the hl teams they got to have the resources they got scouts they got to have they're still trying to put together winning teams that are also you know backed and funded through the pro team so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's a whole it's a whole process but like i know i've had buddies that went out and tried out for the solar bears like it's not you know nhl tier like kids that went to school like left their families at 15 to go to canada to play for every summer you know it's not they didn't play juniors or ohl it's like it's guys that are kind of more on the uh we're never gonna make it kind of like vibe oh absolutely but yeah i mean i think anyone knows that but just saying but i i don't know if you saw last night because i I know you mentioned you just got back from a, a small little vacation but uh the carolina hurricanes had to use their emergency backup goalie last night I, I did see that actually. I saw a bunch of uh, tweets about that. Um, it was pr- pretty awesome. I saw he gave up the first two shots, I think, and then got settled in. But uh, yeah, no, that was crazy. It's an awesome story. Awesome story, but that that must make you feel pretty good because if the playoffs started today, uh, that's who you guys would be facing uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So yeah, 
the fact that they I, I can't think, they can't beat an emergency backup goalie might must make you feel a little bit better. Honestly, I, I told somebody the other day we were having a conversation because I saw the the what the matchups would be like right now and stuff, and um, the team that that will always fear me the most in the playoffs for us isn't isn't the Blue Jackets. I know last year was kind of a, a bumble, but um, the Capitals. I just feel like the Capitals. If that team gets hot, it's like get out of the way. Like they're going to scorch everybody, and that's just kind of how I. Like you know, everyone has their team. They're just like, oh, I don't want. I want. I don't want my team to face this team. When it comes to the East, I feel like that's the team. Like a lot of people, a lot of Lightning fans don't like the Bruins. Like that's a big thing down here. But for me, it's like the Capitals. I feel like they're such a good team. If they get hot, it's like, especially their goalie. Like it's just like, it's over. Yeah, and and then they just got Kovalchuk tonight, so <laughs> another scoring threat. He he yeah. he's kind of cooled down a little bit since he came back into the league, but he started freaking hot, and I was like, holy cow! Like Montreal hit a gold mine with him, but yeah, he he has yeah. cooled down a lot since like I think like the last seven games or so, he maybe has a point. He's cooled down, but he's still one of those guys that has the experience and the wisdom. And it's like if you go into like a playoff, playoffs or that mentality where like guys that have been there have seen it, you know, like even the Lightning, like we have a lot of like young guys for Hagee and stuff like that that are like, you know, doing well, but are just kind of get on the ice and go as hard as you can go. They don't really get scenario wise sometimes, like as a playoff comes, like, Yo, that's the big thing with Lightning. Is I think teams come to the Lightning in the playoffs and they play them in a different way, like the Blue Jackets, and it just basically fucks up our whole mentality. And we're just yeah. like, shit, what do we do? How do we adjust? And we can't adjust fast enough, and then we're screwed. I saw it happen when, with the Canadians one year. We played them, and you know, and to me, it's like we just got outcoached personally. But I think that having a guy like Kovalchuk who you know can like settle down in the locker room and talk to guys and be like, yo, I've been here, I've seen this. He might not be the guy producing the goals, but he's the guy that's telling the guys that are doing that what to do and how to do it, you know? So it's an important role. Absolutely. You you know, at this time of year, having those veterans that, you know, have been there and have done it, they're priceless, as you could see with, like, you know, O'Reilly coming over in St. Louis last year. Like, those kind of guys, those vets are definitely what takes the team through the playoffs. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, so uh you you, you did mention pl- pl- like Stanley Cup or bust for you guys this year. Um you 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 really f- strongly believe that 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 this is the year you think that you have the team? I I think that we have the team, but I would have said that last year obviously too. So, it's a tough it's a tough thing. Um I say that more on a fan level. I think that there's a lot after the last playoffs, obviously like I, I go on all the Instagram accounts. I see everyone, every time the NHL posting about like the lightning, I think like 50% of the comments are will bust in first round, you know, something, something along those lines. And it's like, it's frustrating to see that. But I think that that also instills a lot of pressure on the team or in the fan base too, is like, you know, when we, when when things go bad like unfortunately like people a lot of fans don't really get a lot of aspects they just see what's in front of them like i saw a lot of things for like yo fire cooper like last season like get get him out of here he's done he's no good he can't win in the playoffs it's not you know it's not a thing 
And, you know, we went from having the best season to getting slumped to having a kind of a slow start to now being back on top to where we were. And, you know, if that happens again or something along those lines, because we're obviously at this point, I would say it's safe to say we're going to probably make the playoffs, you know, barring some crazy thing. Um, but if it happens again to where, you know, we just fizzle out in the first round, like there's going to be a lot of like talk in Tampa. And, yeah, you know, this day and age talk, unfortunately, goes a lot longer, a lot further than it used to go. Um, yeah. So do I think we're going to win it? Uh, I think we have the, the roster and I think we have the potential to. I would love to see it. I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, we got it. I'm not, you know, it's in the bag because I don't think that's the case at all. But I think that, you know, hopefully the guys that have been on the team the last couple of years that have been there and almost been there or gotten, you know, had a great start and lost it have learned from that and have hopefully like instilled that in like we'll be able to adapt and make the changes that need to be made in the playoffs this time. So, you know, I think that for the team, it's a pretty, it's a very important year. I'll say that. I won't say it's a you need to make it or it's a done year, but I think it's a very important year to show up. I think that's a that's one of the big things with 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 hockey fans in general, because you know your fan bases are are so passionate about hockey, and I mean we've touched on this before in other episodes and stuff, but it's like, you know, hockey fans are just so, so rabid sometimes that like when things start going awry, it's like you know, like slip in. It's just like, you know, it doesn't really mean that much, but with hockey fans, I mean, like when you like, you know, when the Islanders went on that, that four game skid, you know, just using them as an example, man, like people were losing their minds, you know, it's just like, but that's the kind of investment that you have as a hockey fan into your team. It's just like, you do, you know, you like, like you, you do so much because not only are you passionate about it, but you've got such a connection to it because it really is just such a, just a kind of rough and tumble sport that like you can't help yourself, but get like, so like full on freaked out when things start, you know, when shit hits the fan or in the opposite direction, when like, you know, like the, you know, the bolts have been going on a tear and it's just like, you know, like you can't help but get so enthused or so downtrodden really quickly. So um, for hockey, and I think especially with like hockey Twitter and the, the hockey internet, it's just people get so incensed about stuff and you just start, hearing all the talk and all that talk translates, which like you said, I mean, it, it does. So, you know, before you know it, all of the outrage turns into like all of these front office guys being like, well now, you know, what do we do? Are we, are we making these moves? Are we, you know, are we, are we sending people off? Are we sending people down? So I yeah. think that's kind of something that's, that's really wild about how the, the, the passion of, of what this sport really is and how it translates to how front offices want to make, you know, they make sure their fans are heard um, and, and do the right thing, you know, by trying to really create contenders where I, I don't think you see that in other sports as much. You really don't. Yeah, I think I think I mean, I think anyone would agree that the the best playoffs in any sport are hockey. Like, I don't uh, think yeah. that you could really fight that like, to be at all. Um, so I would say, like, you know, let's take an example like football, like. You see a guy out there putting his body in line every time, but yeah. you're talking about, you know, weeks in between, three yep. games, a bye week, whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Hockey, it's like you, a guy takes a puck to the face or whatever, or he gets in a fight and gets his ass beat, and he's out there two nights later. You know, yep. and you're you're seeing it. He's not hiding behind anything. You know, there's close ups, like a whole. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, there, and it's like. So I think that that is a big part of like fans' attachment to the players and their teams. Like they kind of, in a weird way, like live it with them. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I really do. And um, you know, I think um, you know, like the the, the copper bus mentality that a lot of franchises end up having, you know, goes back to the whole idea of, um, you know, like it, it, you know, like if if you have a favorite team and like they win a championship, that's one thing. And I mean, like, you know, I, you know, I'm a Met fan. And if I see, you know, the Mets win the world series, like, man, I'll, you know, I'll be happy about it. But like, just like, you almost feel like it's your blood, sweat and tears along with these guys. I mean, I don't know if, if you guys agree with me on that, but I, something about it, like, it's just like, it, you know, if I go through periods of, of watching hockey and getting really passionate about it, like, I feel like exhausted after screaming at, you know, like my television for a couple hours, you know? So it's like, I think you feel like part of you is getting to hold that cup up. So I don't know. I think it's just that mentality kind of brings it together for me. Oh, 100%. And I feel like it's almost, the, it's the same, like you said, in the opposite end. Like, last yeah. season, when the Lightning got, like, just pummeled the first round, I literally, I basically stopped watching the playoffs. I was just, like, deflated, defeated. Yep. I was like, I don't really care as much anymore, you know? Like, my yeah. team just got basically embarrassed. And I'm just kind of uh-huh. like, yeah, well, all right, next, next year. Yeah, right? So, yeah. Story of my life. Next year. <laughs> next year. Next year. Next one year. One more year. And one more year. This is the year. <laughs> Just literally <laughs> since my, my since birth, you know. So now that you guys had had a you know a long hiatus and you're kind of back playing music, um, you know, like what was really the driving force to get you guys all back into a room and decide that you you wanted to do this again? Um, you know, I think the big thing for that was like the break was almost. I don't want to sound like dramatic, but I feel like the break was needed for our like mental states. Sure. Sure. I, I feel like we were just at this point where we were kind of just beat up and worn out and, and not just with music and touring, but with each other, we just, you know, like nobody hated each other or anything like that. It was just like, we felt like we had like tried to do this thing for so long. And like mm-hmm. our path has been always kind of a winding path to a degree for us. It's not just like, hey, here we are, we're a metal band, we're going to make metal records, and we're going to tour, and that's how it's going to, like, we've done, like, yeah. you know, changing members, like, yep. vital members, like, yeah. changing styles up, things like that, like, yep. changing our, you know, religious perspective with the band, sure. we call it that, like, so there's yep. just so much stuff that you're basically, you know, growing from, at the same time, you're still attached to, and you can't really escape um and it's not that like we don't appreciate that part of it yeah. but it's also like hey it's like you know it's like seeing your grandma every day and be like i remember when you were this old and you know pinching <laughs> your cheek and you're like yeah but now i'm like 15 so like you know talk to me like i'm 15 you know it's like that kind of thing and for us it was like i think we were just at this point where it's like we're just kind of spent on trying to like break barriers within ourselves and push ourselves and not getting like just being and being but being like uh recognized or you know 
revered for something that you know we did so long ago and and that happens to a lot of bands i'm not saying it doesn't but for us i think mm-hmm. that was kind of the thing where it was like things were kind of slowing down for us you know we had we had kind of like worn ourselves thin. dudes had families now and it was yep. just like you know let's just like let's take it went from like let's slow it down to like i think i think i'm done with this for now i think i'm good okay. you know hey. that, i I remember it was me, Spencer, and Tim. We were singing at the airport. Uh, I think we had just finished like a European tour that wasn't like great. It was mm-hmm. some of like the smallest shows we had done. You know, there were some good ones in there, but it was like overall, it didn't feel like a success. It didn't feel like the band was like progressing. It felt like we were just kind of like either degressing or like just kind of like plateauing. And it was just like we were just, I think Tim looked at me and was just like, yo, I think I'm good. And I was like, all right okay i'm cool with that and yeah you know i think that everyone <coughs> got where everyone was at and we just kind of made a unanimous decision and then you know everyone took that break and did you know did their own thing and kind of realized like there was still gas in the tank and we still really enjoyed you know playing music live and making music and you know we came back to do that one tour and we kind of realized, yo, like it, it just kind of it exactly would think it kind of just uh, refreshed our love for it and let us know, like, oh, people still care about us and there's still like a fan base on people want to hear music and people yeah. care about what we're doing right now. Even if we're playing like older stuff, people care like who mm-hmm. we are, what we're doing. So, you know, that mindset kind of pushed us forward to like, yo, like, let's just have fun with this and like we definitely have a different mentality of the band than we did before. Like the band, you know, the band is our job, but the band isn't our life anymore. Um, if that makes sense. No, that, like, and that absolutely does. Yeah. Like we understand that, you know, people have other things going on in their lives, families like that. So like mm-hmm. we have kind of our cap on touring that we do a year and yep. we do our shows on like, not on what makes sense for us it's not just like before it was like you know take anything and everything and play up to anyone everyone sure you can of course and you know that's cool when you're starting out it's great but mm-hmm. you can only do that for so long until you get kind of run ragged and i think now we're just older yeah. and smarter about it and so we also appreciate it more coming from that you know that time off in the, in the past and when we were doing it before so it's just it's such a a more positive experience like the touring now like Everyone, there's no like, you know, there's no little bullshit between guys or anything like yeah. that. Everyone is on the same page. Everybody has, we've all grown up with each other. We all know each other and like we know what we're here to do and we just have a good time. Like, we're the, like, it's ironically, I feel like we're the band that hangs out with people. Like, like we did the last, we did that last time we did the corn tour with Alice in Chains um, and the fever and horror and stuff. And, yeah, we were the band out, outside every day by the bus in lawn chairs, just drinking, hanging out, and we ended up actually hanging out with more crew than anybody in that tour. Like I feel like the other bands kind of do their own thing, but like yeah. for us, like we're just like we're setting our our group and our guys, and we just have a great time doing it now. So it's it's awesome. Yeah, it totally is, and and that's another thing that I I just kind of wanted to talk to you about was um that Corn and Allison Chains tour because like I mean like. I, I don't, I mean, like, corn, corn being corn, like, you know, I, I, I had my phase when I listened to, to corn, um, you know, when I was like 11 and 12, and, you know, I was listening to Limp Biscuit and stuff too. But Alice in Chains, I mean, like, that's another, that's a whole another thing. I mean, like, 
you know, in terms of like, you know, that nineties alternative and grunge and stuff, I mean, like there are, are, are probably so many alternative bands right now that like, wouldn't have even picked up guitars if it wasn't for bands like, you know, Stone Temple Pilots and Alice in Chains and, you know, like, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, like, what was it like getting to tour with, with someone like that? And I mean, like, did you guys feel like you were the, like the odd band out or do you guys really feel like that people were kind of, kind of coming together for you guys? I mean, like, what, how, how was your experience with that? Um, I, I think the experience, you know, would be more of a, it'd be, it, it's tough to be like said as, as a band as a unit. As a unit, it was a good, it was a positive experience. Yeah, and I say that in the sense of like, I never grew up listening to Corn or really Alice in Chains. Mm-hmm. Like, I respect the hell out of them. Like, you know, I know I I have like my favorite Alice in Chains songs, but I didn't like sure. my view on them. Suppose somebody in my band like Chris or like Spencer, for example, who like mm-hmm. Jerry Cantrell, and they're like, holy shit, that's yeah. <laughs> like, they're to me, I'm like cool he's a good guitar player you know what i mean like and i'm not trying to dismiss what he does or anything like that. i'm just saying that's kind of how our band works we're very spread out and very like what we like and don't sure. like or care about or don't care about and like mm-hmm. i think that's honestly a good thing it's like when one guy's freaking out i'm just like i went up to, i remember meeting him uh, jerry for the first time and like i was like cool what's up dude what do you do i literally asked him what he did <laughs> And he's like, oh, I play guitar in Austin. So I was like, sick. I play on bass on the road. Nice to meet you, man. Have a good night. <laughs> like, it, you know what I mean? And like, you look at, like, I know there'd probably be a million people who'd be like, you're a freaking idiot. I can't believe you just yeah. did that. And for me, I'm like, dude, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Yeah, you know, yeah like, no, of course. Not to be a dick. I mean, I respect <clears> the <throat> guy. I listen to him play every night. He shreds. He's an amazing yeah, yeah. guitar player. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, we, we each have our own passions for it. And as far as like the tour goes, like, like the shows, it was cool because, and I think it'll be a lot, a lot like this next tour this summer. Maybe not as much, but it'll be a lot like this summer to where we kind of get this go out there and earn it kind of vibe. Because you know, mm-hmm. even though like we've been a band for a long time and we've like gotten the opportunity to play in front of like large crowds, there's still a whole bunch of people that don't know who Under Oath is, never heard Under Oath. And we went out there on those shows, and it's like, you know, you're you're playing these amphitheaters that are half full. People are getting their beer and hot dogs and going coming to their mm-hmm. seats. And you're trying to put on this energetic, like, give a fuck kind of show. Yeah, and sure. It's hard. I won't I won't lie to you. It's it like some shows were like, damn, dude, this is like tough. Just having, you know, ten thousand, fifteen thousand people just staring at me, not moving yeah. a muscle. But then at the same time, you can see from song one, you know, to song whatever, eight or however we played, yeah. the difference it can make and getting people into it and kind of winning that that old feeling of like 2003 going on tour and winning fans over. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. And, and, and that's, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, what I was going to say is, man, I, not to interrupt you, but like that's, I think, one of the the wild things about this because I was just going to say that it's almost like you're you're almost back at square one in so much that like, you know, when it was you guys trying to win over, you know, 25, 30 fans, then now all of a sudden you're still trying to do the same thing, but you're trying to win over, you know, like 10,000 new metal fans, you know, and it's just like, now you're hoping that like someone who, you know, loves like Slipknot and, and like Cold Chamber and like, you know, that kind of music, 
you know, would like listen to one of, you know, a song you play and be like, whoa, dude, that's heavy. Like, how have I never heard of these guys? Let me check it out. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've got a, a guy who maybe would have never, you know, even thought to listen to you guys because it's like, you know, the old stigma of like, oh, yeah, it's uh, emo band, swoopy hair, blah, blah, blah. But all of a sudden, like, you rip through a couple of tracks that are, you know, just like heavy as hell. And all of a sudden, now you've got a guy that's like, wow, I never gave Under Oath a, a second thought, but they're ripping my face off right now. So, like, I think that's such a cool thing. And, like, I'm, I'm super pumped for you guys to have that experience because it kind of breathes life into, like, what you're doing as a band. And I know you talked about, you know, like, understanding that in this kind of part of your career, like, yes, it's a job, but it's also something that you guys have, have a heart for, which is why you're doing it again. And now you get to have that experience of kind of winning people over again. So I'm super, super pumped for you guys. And I really hope that, that, you know, it goes well this summer for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. I think, I think it will for sure. I think, I think it's just, it's, it's kind of fun again. You know what I mean? Like that sounds yeah. kind of cheesy, but it's like, for us, it's like, I've as a, like, our band mentality, like we've never been afraid to go on stage and play with anyone. And I don't think we'll ever be like, as far as like bigger bands or talented bands or, you mm -hmm. know, big shows or whatever. Like we just do what we do and we try and do it the best we can. And I think that that mentality and that mindset, you know, I think it, I think it shows through to fans. I think people can pick up on that. You know what I mean? And I think that, you know, they can see that. Because, like, you know, for example, like, we're playing on that House of Chains Corn Tour. We're playing in the sun. So half the time, there's no stage lighting. You know, we have, a, like, a banner behind us. There's no yep. show. It's just yeah. us out there on a, on a giant concrete stage and just mm -hmm. you know, doing our thing and stuff. And I think that for us, you know, whether we're, like, have a, you know, shit ton of production or just us in the, on a, in the daylight on stage, like, we're going to go out and do put the same show on as far as our physical performance that we do every time and do the best we can do. And I think that that gives us like this kind of, I don't want to say cocky, but just this sense of confidence that we're like, yo, this is us. Let's just do us and do the best we can. And like, and that we're not, there's no, there's no like anxiety or fear that comes with that. It's just like, let's go crush it. And it's got to feel pretty uh, like refreshing to know that, a lot of these guys that are and guys and girls that are going to your show are getting older in age. It's safe to say, and they don't really have as many platforms to discover new music as you know they did when they were younger. And you know that that might be how you get you know a thirty-five-year-old into your band, but they you know that crossover is there, and also they have you would imagine more money where they can go and buy merch at the end of the show. So I would imagine that that's got to, got to feel pretty good for you guys. Yeah. I, I mean, definitely. I think that, uh, you know, coming from someone that's in that older age, age bracket now, um, I would say that there's way more availability to find things, but you have to put the work into it. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people is that they kind of do that thing where they listen to what they listen to up through college. And then they get busy with life and they stop like discovering new music or finding new bands. And, you know, every, every while something will fall into their lap, like a, like these, like a live show or something, or like a friend's like recommendation, but you kind of get in this like cycle where you're like, these are the bands I like, these are what I listen to. And I'm cool with that. And, um, 
I think that we appreciate that a lot when you see someone that kind of has been in their bubble and been like, dude, like, I've never heard you guys. You were so awesome. Do you guys like have any albums? And you're like, bro, we've been your city. Like, <laughs> we've been your city a hundred times over the last 20 years. Like we have like eight albums, like go enjoy, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a cool thing though. It's not a bad <laughs> thing. It's a very, like, it's a very honest, like eye opening experience. And you're like, that's awesome. There are people out there that like have ne are into the heavy music scene. have never heard of us like even our name and are discovering us and, and enjoying it, embracing it. And it's like, there's, there's still people to go out there and reach and it, it inspires you in that aspect. So yeah, totally. I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. Cause I am that old guy. So that, that is how yeah. I've discovered we are that old guy. <laughs> yep. So that, that no. is how I've discovered a few bands. Like I, I went to the last warp tour and literally sat under the awning the whole entire day. And did not move. Like, totally different from when I went to Warp Tour in 2003, where I was just an idiot. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I yeah. actually ended up finding a bunch of bands that I really enjoyed just by sitting in that seat all day. Yeah. Um, we did, like, three days with my last one. And, like, there was a couple bands that I had never heard of, like, Movements. Oh, band. my God. I, I that is a band I that I band. discovered, too. So fucking yeah, good. So good. Super nice guys, too. Really cool guys. And I was like, this band's awesome. I would love to tour with this band someday. Hopefully we can make that happen. And you know what the other thing too is about getting older? Like I can, I can speak for, for myself. You know, I, you know, I used to be all about like going to shows and like, you know, I, like I, I had to get in the pit and I had to do like my spin kicks and I had to do my tough guy thing. Like, I, you know, like it was like, that was part of my, like my ethos then. But now like I, you know, I've I've grown, you know, in this style of music for, you know, like, I'd say 20 years and like my ears have grown and like, I've just developed like more of a more of a want and need to like sit back and like enjoy the music. And like, you know, it, it used to be the point where like, you know, something aggressive would happen and like, you know, you you'd feel compelled to, you know, like thrash around. But like these days, like, I go to shows and like I'm content with just like standing in the wings or standing in the back by the bar and just like admiring what some of these bands can do. And I mean, like there are some bands that like still to this day, like I'm in awe with like the music they create. And it's like like a band like Hope's Fall, you know, like I use them as an example. It's just like, you know, they came out with a with a new record. What was it? I guess last year. And I mean, that record is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And then like but you like you sit around and like you listen to the music and like you really listen to how much depth it has and all the layers it has and it's just like you have a newfound respect for these bands that you like because now you realize like all of the creativity that goes into this music and it was like listening to erase me and it's just like i you know i'm listening to it with a new set of ears that i didn't have when i was in my 20s because like it wasn't that important to me but now i'm listening to how this creativity develops and how your music has evolved over time and like what it is now versus what it was then and how your like how your experience has has kind of got there so really just is like it's super cool and i mean i don't know if you experienced that yourself but like i just feel like it's a whole new ball game sometimes yeah i think for me <laughs> 
ironically, I was never a pig guy. Actually, the only band I've ever moshed for ever was Under Oath before I was in the band. True story. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, there's a video somewhere. I don't know. It's in the depths of some somebody's basement, hopefully. Um, but no, yeah, I think for me, like I've always been kind of that guy that, you know, um, I don't want to sound like high and mighty, but being a musician, like, you know, sitting back and you know preaching music I, I i noticed myself doing it more now than i did before even like um i think what you're saying i i can attest to a lot of, a lot when you're younger it's like you get in the pit or you're going to like you go in there to like with friends and you want to get crazy whatever it's like you're like literally especially heavy music you're, you're listening for the heavy part here it yeah. comes here it comes here comes the breakdown yeah and all the stuff in the middle is just the space to get to the breakdown and now it's like you're sitting in the back and you're like, okay, here's the breakdown that I've heard, you know, a bazillion mm -hmm. times. What's all this stuff in the middle that's yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like that's the stuff that's really catching my ear and stuff and really like, I'm like um, gravitating towards. And I think, uh, yeah, I think that just comes with, with age for sure. And I think that for me, you know, I think it even goes out of the realm of heavy music. I think it's just in all aspects of music for myself now, like stuff I would write off of like pop music or like, you know, maybe when I was younger, like rap when I was really young mm -hmm. or like even country still to this day, like I still have a hard time like listening to like pop country and being like, okay, I don't care about your truck and your girl and you know, <laughs> yeah. wiser. But then like going back and like there's, super talented country and those guys write super talented melodies and just like progressions that i wouldn't think of and like i think that there's room to find appreciation in all types of music and all things and i think the older you grow the more you are you know you your your view on things expands and like you can mm -hmm. kind of embrace those things and not just in heavy but in everything but if you enjoy heavy music especially like there's stuff before that i would like be like, oh, this is like, you know, like Meshuga is a perfect example. Meshuga mm -hmm, is sure. an amazing, talented band. They write such cool pieces. And I think that they're the kind of thing where it's like, you have to kind of sit back. For me, I have to like literally sit back and put my head back and just like take it all in. There's a song, there's a six minute thing of just like a whole dynamic structure of range and just emotions mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's not, oh, here comes the cool part. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get it now. I see what they're doing. As before, it's like when I was in my twenties, I'd be like, "All right, this is a cool riff, but like, where's the heavy part? I want to like, I want them to like break this down. Half yeah. time, let's go. You know, and like, sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with that completely, and I think that that's just the case with you know maturing in music and, and maturing as a person. Oh, agreed, agreed. And uh, I mean, I, I I got a question for you. I might be putting sure. you on the spot. Uh, so I apologize if I am, but um, I see every other band that I've ever loved playing Furnace Fest, and I don't yeah. see Under Oath. So why don't I see Under Oath on this list? Uh, you know what? Honestly, <laughs> I, I will be direct with you. I'll give you the straightforward. We got offered to play it, and we turned it down. Um, wow. We mm -hmm. turned it down for a couple of reasons, but I think one of the main reasons that, you know, we as a band, my parent, we turned it down was because we know the people putting it on. We're good friends with them, longtime mm -hmm. friends with them. 
and we didn't see it. And, you know, I'll be the first person to say it looks like I'm going to be wrong, but we didn't see it originally when they came to us as a thing where it was going to work for the money they were trying to mm. offer us. And we didn't want to get in a position where we were like having friends owe us money and having that awkward, like, dude, you got to pay us. You promised sure. this. And like, you know, and we were one of the first, I think I'm pretty sure we were one of the first five bands that were offered a spot. So at that point, it was like a, you know, not a good idea for us. It's okay. kind of we talked about earlier with the friends and business. Thing. Yeah, sure. And and um, and listen, like I I understand that, and and like and I I I actually can respect that because going coming at it from the direction you did, it's just like, listen, like this is a cool idea, but like you know, I, if it doesn't work out, like we don't we don't want to be the bad guys that are like, well, okay, like. You know, we all have families to feed, so like, sorry guys. And I, I really can respect that, but it's just like it's so wild to see all the names on this list and not see yours because it's like, you know. I know I saw I saw my <laughs> the trailer for the for the other day. I saw I was like, oh, that's me playing in the trailer for the new they're uh, they're using for the new the new fest. How funny <laughs> is that? How funny is that? But I mean, nonetheless, I mean, you know, this is something that like. If I wasn't getting married this year, like I, I'd already, I'd already have tickets to it. But I mean, like every band that like I, I, I loved, like in that space. I mean, Life in Your Way, Misery Signals, Poison the Well. I mean, like Hopes Fall, Further Seems Forever. I, I, like it, the list goes on and on. It's such a, a cool thing. I feel like this, this was cultivated for me, and I can't go. So yeah. like it's like it's like it's it's really heartbreaking but at the same time it's just like i think it's wild that this is coming together so i just had to ask because like it was one of the things i thought from the very beginning you know i keep looking to see if your name's popping up and it just hasn't so i appreciate the insight but um i think it's going to be super cool i think it'll be great and, and i'll be honest with you um on a personal level just speaking for myself alone is like part of me you know like i i love I remember that festival vividly. I remember because it was like such a huge like staple in our band and our history mm -hmm. and like being a part of it and stuff. And like there's there's definitely a part of me, honestly, that like wants to hold on to that selfishly and hold on to that memory and hold on to those bands, seeing those bands like to me to me was in their prime and stuff. And like I have this fear of like going to see these bands now, you know, that are not gonna it's not you know i'm not gonna say it's gonna be worse i'm just saying it's not gonna yeah. be the same thing you know it's, sure. not gonna, it's not gonna be the same thing to me to where i was in life and what i experienced and like that to me like i don't want to like scar that memory in a sense okay um, yeah and this is a personal thing like and that's how i feel but that does has no effect on under oath doing it or not but for me like like i remember like seeing hopes fall play that night i remember like like seeing like yeah oh, man so many good shows there um yeah i mean we've been trying to take the love and, we've been trying to take the love it on tour for like 15 years oh like we've man. asked them so many times to get back together and they never would and they're finally doing this and i'm just like you, you bastards what the yeah heck? right 
but you know like uh like i think it'll be awesome you know i'll obviously like um, i have a bunch of friends that are going and yep. like they've offered me tickets to go to and i'm just like you know i'm, I'm stoked i hope it does awesome i hope that it is just massively successful and it yep. happens again and again i hope it i hope it reinvigorates a lot of those bands that you know maybe don't do it full-time or don't do it yeah. all anymore in their career you know it'd be great so no ill will towards it all it's just of course it wasn't the right move for us no, and hey, listen, like I said, I, I, I appreciate the, the, the honesty and transparency, and it was just something I was curious about, but, um, um, you know, again, you know, we've been chatting for, for almost, a, you know, an hour with, with Grant from, from Under Oath. Again, I'm going to re repeat that because of what it means to me, Grant from Under Oath, and um, uh, it, it's been such an awesome time getting to chat with you and all, um, so I guess just, do you have any, any parting words? I mean, just to tie it all together. I know, obviously, we talked a lot about, uh, you know, the Bolts and, and where they're headed. Um, but, you know, as far as this kind of cup or bus mentality, you know, if if we're playing you guys in the playoffs, what are we expecting? Give me give me a little insight. What are we expecting if we get Isles Bolts in the playoffs? <laughs> um, well, it'd have to be the Eastern Conference, <laughs> the finals. Yeah, so, right. uh Hopefully, hopefully Honestly, that is. I would love that. Yeah, I would love I, that I at am, this point. I'm like a closet Isles fan. I'll be honest with you. Um, I would love to see them. I do not enjoy the Rangers. I'm more of <laughs> I to pick between the two, but uh, no, I think that would be a, a super a super fast paced series. I think it'd be. Uh, I want to say it'd be offensive, but I think it would be more of a defensive series. Like really looking at it, like I think that we would obviously gosh, just watching Barzell play is like. You know that guy's amazing. Um, I think oh, I would say if we played you guys, I would see it going to like a six or seven game series for sure. And if it goes seven, you know, I'm I'm going bolts, but that's just me because I'm biased. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's what you would want to hear, right? I, I yeah. don't think I don't think I'd be able to say that the Islanders would lose in a series either. So, I like. I would love that for an Easter conference finals. Let's, let's push for that guys. Hell yeah. And let's push for like a, a winter classic down in, in, in like Florida. Cause if it can happen, I'm there. I will be there. I, I, I feel ice, like the after going to melt, they just had one in melt. Texas, man. I feel like they could make it work. <laughs> I mean, it snows in Texas. I know it doesn't snow here, but I mean, maybe if you get enough electricity under that ice and get it cold enough, it can, can stay. I don't know. All right, I, I I did go to the the Syracuse Crunch uh Winter Classic out outdoor game. Oh, nice! But they weren't they weren't the the Lightning's team at the time. I think they were Columbus at the time. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would love for us to even get to play one, you know, up north. I'd be cool with that. That'd be sick. Be the away team, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you Definitely. know, they they haven't announced who the Hurricanes are playing yet, so you never know. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. All right, well, Grant, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm definitely going to try to come out to uh, your show this summer when you guys are in Charlotte. I've actually never seen you guys play, and I was a fan since day one like Tom was, and just never worked out where I was able to catch you guys. So it'd be cool to see you all these years later, and you know, I'll be that old guy checking out Slipknot for the first time. So who knows? Maybe I'll be a Slipknot fan at the end of the day. Yo, and... Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, uh, let me just tell you, like, Mikey, like, 
even if you're not a Slipknot fan, even if you're like, I don't want to listen to a bunch of dudes in masks, dude, I've seen Slipknot play unbelievable. Like they're they're great live. Like I almost like I kind of envy you like getting to go on tour with them and getting to like watch them every night and even Code Orange too. Like Code Orange, incredible, incredible live performance. So I mean that tour is just going to be one for the ages. Uh, You know between you guys, Code Orange, Slipknot, even a day to remember. I mean like those tours should just should just be packed full of people that are just like on the hook for like four hours of like just unbelievable music. So go to the, yeah. go to the shows, Mikey. And, and just, and you're going to be a Slipknot fan. I, I you're going to hate it maybe, but you're going to be a Slipknot fan. Yeah. Have you listened to their albums ever to that curiosity? Like, have you checked them out like at all? Or are you just kind of like, they've been a kind of a band that's you've heard of. They're, they're a band that like I heard of and I kind of wrote off as, you know, like a mask band, like a band that like, is a little gimmicky, I guess. I, I don't want to say it, but kind of. But yeah, I've never really gotten into them. I could feel that. I think I was the same way for a while. And like, I would say, like, I kind of went back to when, when I, because we did the first Mayhem tour with them and they were on that. So we toured with them before and like super nice guys, the nicest guys. Um, as that, like, out as just being like dudes, but they, bring it every night they do the same thing like they put it all out there and like i went back after that tour because i kind of did the same thing like oh this is like kind of cheesy with the jumpsuits and the mask like i'm not really and went back and listened like for me like i love like iowa and volume three or like two 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 albums i still like gets me like pumped like i'll listen to that stuff before going to like one of my hockey games like gets me like juiced so i mean it's you know it's everyone's personal taste, but you know give it a chance. Live they're great. That's all. So, and Jay Weinberg is a huge hockey fan. Yes, he's a good dude. You know, we've known that guy for a long time actually. Um, he's a he's an amazing drummer. He actually yeah. uh, he he got us tickets to see when his dad played with Conan. We went yeah. and saw Conan. And he got us tickets to that, which is sick. Yeah, it's super I, cool, man. I'll definitely check it out. I I think it's not in the peak of summer here in Charlotte. So I won't like roast and die. So I'll definitely check it out. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, Grant, I really appreciate this. This was a blast. Um, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed. Bolts, light, uh, Bolts Islanders, uh, Eastern conference finals. Heard let's it, do it. Heard it here I'm first. <laughs> All right. All right. You guys. Have a good night, thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. dude. Sit right here for half an hour We'll speak of what a waste I am
Tommy freaking V. If I would have told you in 2004 that we would be talking with Grant of Unterruth on a podcast, well, first of all, people didn't even know what podcasts were, but what would you say? Like, shut up, Mikey, you puka shell wearing loser. That's what I would say. And I would tell you to bleach your hair again and wear more Hollister t-shirts. But all in all, I I would have told you that you're crazy, that, you know, we'd never have a platform to talk to somebody like that um, in such an easygoing way. And I think that's the coolest thing about this interview, you know, that we, we had with Grant is just like, you know, it never felt like, you know, it was pulling teeth to, to, to chat with him, to get him to open up. He's just a super smooth dude. And he was willing to just kind of open it up and give us, you know, some insight into, you know, why Under Oath is back and why they're so passionate about music and why he's so passionate about hockey and the correlation between hockey and music that we always try to stress and talk about. Um, and, you know, Grant hit the nail on the head with all of that stuff. So, um, no chance I would have thought that I'd ever have a, a conversation with, with him, but here we are. Here we are. And here we you are. know, what's crazy is even though under Earth is, I would say top 10 bands for me, mm-hmm. especially because of, of their only chase and safety, like yeah, of course. it's mind boggling that I've never seen them live. Even like all the yeah. festivals I've gone to, it just has never worked out because I know that they played the downtown like right when that album came out, mm-hmm. but then they like got so big so quick that they kind of yeah. outgrew the downtown and like they were playing like city shows at, at like the rest of high <clears throat> school for us. And I, you know, I didn't get a chance to bring it up with Grant, but the, so the last time that I saw Under Earth was actually um, they were doing uh, like a kind of like a little comeback tour and they were playing. They're only chasing safety, and um, uh, the record after that, which name escapes me, uh, the one um, to find the great line. Play- no, to find the great line. Thank you. And they're playing those two records back to back. And I was actually in Philly, uh, seeing that show. I believe it was at uh, either the TLA or Electric Fa- Electric Factory. It was. But anyways, um, just to kind of tie it back to hockey, uh, when they were playing, it was during um, uh, the Flyers were uh, in the playoffs, and um, so uh, packed out, packed full show, right? So sold out show. Everyone's watching Under Oath play, right? But at the bar, at both bars, the Flyers game is on. And literally, like in the like in the middle of a song, like people singing along, doing whatever, the Flyers score a goal, and literally just the whole place just erupts. That's awesome. Celebrating for this goal, and then just as soon as it's done, they just go right back to watch an under oath. And I'm just like, man, if that doesn't show you the correlation between alternative music and hockey and how much people care about this, and especially in Philly, cause you know, Philly fans will hammer you. Um, dude, it's so cool. So well, uh, even, that's a moment. Yeah. Even down here in Carolina. So like last night, for example, I went to the real big fish, uh, big D and, and the kids table or whatever that band is called. And then <laughs> keep flying who I, talk about endlessly on this podcast so i went obviously to see keep flying but i was like yeah you know let me see what like real big fish is like outside of warp tour because like yeah that's when you see real big fish is at warp tour yeah and no joke dudes rock rocking carolina hurricanes jerseys to the to the uh to the show oh wow i love it yeah so and it's not the first time it's happened either it seems like 
it's more common these days. I see kids rocking jerseys to shows mm-hmm. all the time. So, yep. you know, I, I'm always at shows in Charlotte, so I'm going to come up to you and talk to you if you're listening and uh, see what's up. Yep. And uh, I, I had the pleasure of, uh, on Tuesday, uh, getting to see uh, the Wonder Years as they came to Orlando on their, uh, their tour support and Burst and Decay, which just came out, which is the, uh, the second Burst and Decay which is uh, their reimagined acoustic versions of songs. And uh, uh, so they ended up playing, uh, you know, 10 songs acoustic and then a full set. And man, every time I go to see the Wonder Years play, and I mean, I've seen them play uh, many a times, they get better every single time. And I mean, like, from, you know, seeing them eight years ago to where, like, they were fumbling through songs and, like, barely making it through to now, like, being what I would consider to be a professional like perfect sounding band is unbelievable to me and i mean just watching their growth as a band as musicians they were like it was it was like going to see i don't know train or like gym blossoms i mean like just like literally like a perfect perfect show um and uh it it was just really Front to back, it was just a, a great, awesome time. House of Blues Orlando isn't the best venue. It's kind of old looking, but it is right in the heart of Disney Springs. But, um, you know, uh, Pool Kids Open, great band. Spanish Love Songs played next, awesome band. Free Throw played uh, as direct support. They were rocking it. Um, they played 11, 12 songs, including this one new song that they just released recently. Um and Motor- I mean, like motorcycle, no motor, motorcycle, no motor. Yeah. Yeah. It's dope. The one, the one that starts like that newfound glory song. Yeah. You know, and it goes like, dear, your name here. It's been a long time. That one that just starts just like it. And I wanted to make fun of them for it, but, uh, man, uh, a free throw is another band too. I mean, I could talk about them ad nauseum cause I, you know, I saw them, you know, play to 15 people in a wood shop back on long Island. But I mean, they are getting better and better every time I see them and their growth musically just keeps surprising me. And, um, you just can't, you can't beat Corey's energy. Um, you know, the rest of the band, uh, their, um, their drummer is just so good. Um, it's so great, man. It was so great to see them. I could talk long and long about it, but if the tour comes to you, go see it. You won't be disappointed. The wonder years just absolutely kills it. Uh, the stage production, everything they do is unbelievable. And I um, saw so- that they put out something that they're not using. Like, so you mentioned the stage production, but they're not using yeah. like strobes and flashing no. lights and things like that. And they're doing just, that, like be mindful doing that purposefully. Yeah, yeah. Because um, they want to be inclusive to people who, you know, have epilepsy or people that can't handle that kind of thing. So, I mean, the, the production in terms of their music is, is perfect, but like very subdued, you know, very soft lighting. They've got these, uh, cool little um you know like kind of light bulb style looking lights that they've got set up and then of course when their regular show starts um you know it's just kind of business as usual but if you get an opportunity to see them play the songs this way uh it really is something else um it just shows how how deep and versatile they are as musicians in a band and um really was super duper cool yeah and i i went to a new venue as well so you mentioned it, the House of Blues Orlando. Yep. Your first time going to it. And I went to a, a new venue here in Charlotte. It, it's called the Neighborhood Theater. 
Okay. And it's in this really cool part of Charlotte called Noda. Okay. And when I first went down to like check out and see if I wanted to move to Charlotte, Noda was one of the neighborhoods we were considering. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like there yet. There was like a few like townhomes and, and apartment complexes, but yep. they were saying like, oh, like this is going to be the place. This is going to be the place. And I was like, well, yeah. if it's like for, the, it's not going to happen for like two or three years, I don't want to be like in a place that's developing. Yeah, like, exactly. Because the way Charlotte is, man, like these neighborhoods develop like very, very quickly. Yep. So like, no joke, I haven't been to Noda in a while. And I was like, where am I? I felt like I was lost because <laughs> like streets that I knew, like because the main road is North Davidson. And yeah. I couldn't even go down it because it's like blocked off by all these brand new like $500,000 townhomes. And I was like, Yikes. where the heck That's am crazy. I? Yeah. And then I get to the theater and it's an old historic theater, like actual for like musicals and things. Oh, that's that they, super cool. So it's like on a downward slant. Okay. Like like normal stadium seating, but they took yeah. all the seats out. So like the whole main general emission area is kind of on yeah. a slope. That's kind of like um, oh, where was that spot in in New York? Uh, was that Gramercy? Uh, we we went and saw. Who did we go and see? I think you and I might have went and saw The Graduate. Okay, yes, um, yes. And and remember, it was on a slant as well. Yeah, we. I think we sat in seats that that night because well, we were I, pretty drunk. Because that's why we sat in seats. We just <laughs> literally screamed at The Graduate, just like play sit and sink, and they were like, "We're gonna do it. Shut up." Uh, thank you for mentioning it. The Graduate because I haven't oh, listened so to him in a while, so I'm definitely throwing horror show on. Listen, man, I, you know what What we should definitely do at some point, if, if, our, if our listeners would be into it, we should do, like, an in-between show where we just, like, pick a record that, like, we both love and just, like, dive into it and just talk about it. Um, that would be super cool. Uh, you know, we could, all, I mean, we could do the same thing with hockey, too. We could just literally, like, pick a hockey player and just, like, talk about them for a little bit. But I mean, I, you know, I just I love it so much, man. Like I, I could I could do this this for hours. I could literally BS with you for hours and hours. Can we about just this. talk about ska real quick? Okay, I, I have an opinion about ska, but go, share your opinion and then I'll share my opinion. So, like, when you think Jimmy Buffett, <laughs> where where like what kind of space do you need to be in to listen to Jimmy Buffett? Uh, drunk on margaritas. But like, where like inside or outside? Uh, outside i feel like the same for ska like seeing ska music inside just didn't feel right i felt like i should be like outside like it the sun should be beating on me like and it it makes sense that no joke like the dudes in real big fish look like they are in hawaii like they're like wearing hawaiian shirts and sunglasses on stage but it, it was just bizarre for me because i i felt like i was kind of like on vacation <laughs> but i wasn't it was like kind of a cold night in charlotte last night oh. i don't know it's just i feel like that's the genre of music that the 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 space and and it, like where you're listening to it matters <coughs> uh, you literally just have me like choking on myself laughing it's um, that bronchitis yeah, it's that bronchitis mixed with the fact that you just think all ska should be outside at all times. Um, man, <coughs> excuse me, part of me sort of agrees with you. And I mean, 
I've never been a huge ska fan, although I can appreciate it and I can appreciate, you know, certain ska bands, you know, dude, it was freaking sold out last night. I'm I'm talking like 1500 cap space. Like it was not a small venue. So a lot of people like, like ska. And, and the funny thing too, is there's all different types of ska. So there's like, kind of like, like more like pop punky ska, which is kind of like your bands, like uh, catch 22 and less than Jake. And then there are like, you know, more like reggae influenced ska, which is kind of where like ska really started. You got bands like the specials that are kind of in that vein. And then you got like a band like Real Big Fish that kind of like walks that line between the two, but they've been around for so long. It's almost like the Mighty Mighty Boston's, you know, I mean, it's just like they've been around for so long. They have such a deep catalog and people really do love them. Now, you know, I can't sit around and say that, like, I would go like buy tickets to a ska show because for me, it just it never lit my fire. But that's not to say, like, if I'm going to Fest or if I'm going to Warp Tour and Less Than Jake is playing, you bet your ass I'm going to be there because they just put on an incredible, incredible show. And the same, I think, is true with Real Big Fish. Like, even if you don't like Real Big Fish, you can at least acknowledge that they put on such an entertaining show. And, you know, just like watching kids like in in fedoras just like skanking and having a good time. I mean, like, you can't you can't beat that. You know, it's just like it's such a kind of pure experience. But you well, know, as far that, as big- that's kind of how I did feel, I did feel like yeah. it was a pure experience. And mm-hmm. I really appreciated the fact that everyone came out early like yeah. at doors open yep. and and showed love for keep flying like keep flying i i don't want to say like is completely different than real big fish because like they do have like the trombones and saxophones but sure, they're yeah. like pop punk with ska's and with horns, <laughs> yeah, with horns. Exactly. and that's kind of the deal like you know keep flying is a very different band like even if their roots are there and i mean their roots are there i mean you know Obviously, you know, JJR being in the band, I mean, you know, he's, you know, a huge proponent of ska and he, he, he listens to it. He was in, you know, ska bands growing up. And I mean, other band members, too, I think were coming out of being in ska bands as well. So they've kind of flipped the script, so to say, and they're kind of creating a different style of music, just using, you know, horns. And for that purpose, they get kind of sort of lumped into that. But I mean, I'm sure really for, for John and for the rest of those guys having the opportunity to tour with a band like Real Big Fish, I mean, they're probably just like, yeah, sign us up. You know, like, we'd love that. And they get that exposure from playing sold-out 1,500-cap rooms, and all of a sudden, you know, 20 people who didn't know who Keep Flying were are now checking them out on Spotify, buying merch, you know, doing whatever to support them, which is really the perfect thing. You know, so, I mean, you, you you can't knock that. And I think that's a great thing about these ska shows you know it just brings people together it's awesome yeah so and and like the the type of people man like like i said so there was a dude rocking a hurricane's jersey then you had your fedora wearing people then you had like metal metal heads like it literally brought everyone together and everyone was having a great time it it i felt like it could have been a jimmy buffett show though like that's kind of the (laughs) thing like everyone goes to a jimmy buffett show has a blast and I yep. feel like everyone goes to a Scott show and just has a blast. There's no agendas, yep. no no cool kids that are like trying to be too cool in the back. Like everyone was yep. just like, this is just fun music, I guess. Absolutely. And and to to bring it all full circle, so you know the last time I got to see Under Oath, like like we talked about, 
I mean, again, it was a room full of people that were literally there. I mean, just to see these guys kind of play through their anthology of music as a retrospective of who they were as a band playing their two probably most popular records. And I mean, like, I, I, can, I can tell you how I felt in the crowd when, you know, Drowning in My Sleep, I'm Drowning in My Sleep comes and, 50, and probably 2,000 people are just screaming it at the top of their lungs. And I mean, I remember how I felt. And I was like, it gave me shivers. So I can't imagine, you know, what, what Grant felt like or, or Spencer or any of those guys who just get to hear that back at them. And, and I mean, I think that's what music and playing music is all about. It's all about that feeling you get when you just know that all of these people are connecting with what you've created. And whether that's, whether you're a ska band and the way you're connecting with people is through like, you know, a, a more jovial rhetoric, or if it's a band like Under Oath, where, you know, maybe it's a little bit more, you know, downtrodden, but at the same time, people are connecting with how it's morose because of how it made them feel. You can't, like, you can't replicate that feeling. I mean, maybe, you know, when you score your first goal and, you know, an entire arena erupts, you know, maybe. But, you know, I don't, I don't think you can really make that feeling happen unless you're, you're in that moment. So um, that kind of brings it full circle for me, because when you think about just people being there for the sole purpose of just enjoying what you've created, you know, we, we touched upon that with, with Grant in, in the interview and just talking about how, you know, he really believes that, you know, there's more to come out of Under Oath in the coming years. So it's going to be really exciting to see where they go. But any opportunity to make people feel something from what you've created is what you want to elicit. I really think it's just that's what you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to that show. And if yeah. I become like the biggest Slipknot fan ever, please you might. Please don't judge me. I'm, dude, I'm just, I am telling I'm you. I'm opening up. Like, Tom knows me like very, very well. And he makes fun of how I'm a music snob all the time. But <laughs> I feel like I've really like expanded what I've listened to ever since doing this podcast. And I'm like, no, so will, so willing to give every single artist and band the chance that I'm going to go in like with no prejudgments of Slipknot and like, just totally be like, all right, sell me, like do it, make me a fan. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, like I said, the couple of times I've seen Slipknot, they are perfect live. They're incredible. They're so energetic. They're so heavy. But, uh, I mean, any one of those bands on that bill can make you a believer. Um, I mean, Code Orange, one of the heaviest bands I think I've heard. You know, so, I mean, I know heavy music is not your thing, but, like, I defy you. No matter where you're standing in, in, the, in that venue, when Code Orange comes on and, and they hit their first chord and you hear that first breakdown, like, you're you're going to feel it. You're going to be like, oh, my God. Like, this is unreal. And Slipknot's the same way, man. Like, you can just marvel at how good they are and how much of a feeling they elicit out of you. So open mind, man. You just got to do it. And it, listen, if you come out of the other side a Slipknot fan and you start buying masks, I'm all for it. <laughs> all right. So we'll leave it at that because – I think we should, yeah. <laughs> that, that That's just a, a silly thought in my head now. But, yeah, but it's probably going to be real. You're probably going to wear a mask, so it's okay. <laughs> All right, Tom. Well, I'll, I'll let you go. Enjoy yeah, your man. Saturday night. 
Thank you. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Peace be Sounds with good, you. man. And also with you. Outside for the first time in a long time. Lose yourself, sink into the sunlight. It's been a while since you felt right. But the warm nights are coming soon and you'll be just fine. You'll be just fine You'll be just fine Outside for the first time In a long time You said you can't remember what it's like To feel more than cold on the inside But the sunrise will come again And you'll be just fine